You're listening to the Generous June podcast. Daily reflections exploring generosity in the Bible throughout the month of June. Today's reflection is from Pete Wilcox. For more information, visit generousjune.co.uk. Friends, in the last week of, of Jesus' life, there are a couple of intriguing moments. Um, the first is, is when just before the, the first Palm Sunday, just before Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, he sends two of his disciples ahead of him with an instruction. He says to them, go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find it tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And then he goes on, if anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Just say this, the Lord needs it. I wonder what you make of that. It is a rather odd thing, isn't it? Um, So just imagine these two disciples go ahead of Jesus into the city of Jerusalem. They come to a certain village and um, on entering it, they, they, they see a cult there. It doesn't belong to them. And as far as they know, it doesn't belong to Jesus either. Um, But they they go to untie it. And some people who recognize the cult but don't recognize the disciples say, Oi, oi, what do you think you're doing? And they say, the Lord needs it. And apparently that makes it okay. Apparently those who had begun to object cease to object and allow the disciples to take away the cult and And that is the cult on which Jesus um, runs into uh, Jerusalem. Well, it's just about possible that Jesus supernaturally foresaw that there would be such a cult at the entrance to Jerusalem and that when his disciples say that the Lord needs it, the, the, the people who had been standing by simply accept that, but it it feels more like this was some prior arrangement. Um, Some sympathizer with Jesus had a cult, and Jesus had arranged with him that Jesus would borrow the cult, and this would be the signal. Two of his disciples would would arrive and begin to untie it, Uh, and the password, if you like, would be, if anyone challenged them, the Lord needs it. Well, later in what we call the first Holy Week, there's another rather similar incident again. Jesus sends two of his disciples ahead of himself. This time they're named. It's it's Peter and John. And he tells them to to go and prepare a Passover meal. And and they're a bit puzzled. And they said to him, well, where are we going to do that? We're we're from Galilee. We don't have any property in Jerusalem. Uh, And Jesus says, well, when you've entered the city, again, it's on entry to the community that the um, arrangement will become clear. Um, A man carrying a jar of water will will meet you. Just follow him. Go into the house he enters uh, and then say to the owner of the house these words, the teacher asks you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And Jesus goes on, he'll show you a large room upstairs, ready furnished, and you can make preparations for the Passover there. Well, again, it's just about possible that Jesus has a kind of supernatural insight that there is such a room and such a person owning the room 
and it instructs his followers in a, in a way that means that they encounter that person in that room uh, and are able to take occupation of it for the Passover. But it just feels more likely that that this was a ready-made arrangement that Jesus had met such a person, knew that there was such a room, and had even agreed a form of words to um, take occupation of the room for the for the Passover, so that the the words he gives to Peter and John are, are as it were, a prearranged signal. And one reason I think why I find these these two stories, this pair of stories in the Gospels so um, encouraging and inspiring, is that it shows us that um, Jesus had a wider circle of supporters than, than we might usually assume. You know, we think about the, the 12, we, we, we might even think about the 70. Um, we think about his circle of supporters in Galilee, but but later in the story, you know, um, Joseph of Arimathea um, will make his tomb available for the Lord Jesus and his death. And Nicodemus will go with Joseph to um, look after the body. It's clear, isn't it, that, that there was a, a wider circle of people who were disposed generously towards Jesus and who were prepared to make available to Jesus the things that they owned so someone was prepared to say to Jesus, I've got a cult, use that if you want. And someone else was prepared to say to Jesus, I've got an upper room, use that if you want. And Joseph was ready to say to Jesus, well, I've got a tomb, use that if you want. And I, I, I take heart that out there in the local community beyond the margins of the church, there are those whose generosity continues to support the ministry of our Lord Jesus. We, we should not be surprised if outside our own community, outside the, the rather narrow confines of the baptised, there are those who are sympathetic to Jesus, sufficiently sympathetic to Jesus, that when they know he has a need, they are ready to meet it. Don't underestimate the sympathy of those in the wider community to the cause of our Lord Jesus. Thanks for listening to today's Generous June podcast. Listen again tomorrow for another reflection and visit generousjune.co.uk for more information and find out how you can get involved with Generous June.